You're listening to Watching Friends on the Greenlit Podcast Network. To find more great shows like this one, visit greenlitpodcasts.com. Hi there, I'm Mark Geller-Willick-Bunch. I'm Ryan, ugly naked guy. And you're listening to Watching Friends, the podcast all about the TV show Friends. So we're going to talk about uh, episode two of season one, uh, the one with the sonogram at the end. I guess spoilers, really, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does what it says on the tin. Uh, so this is the first time we uh, get the sizzle reel opening. It is. So are you ready for the claps? No, I always do too many. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Just, I always do one too many every time. It's like, wait, how many claps? You wouldn't think I've been watching these 15 seasons for how many years? But no, I always do too many claps. But, but that, that's how you can tell a Friends fan. All you need to do is just stand in the park, do the claps and see who, who does it back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we, we discussed in our first episode um, how the intro sequence was like, you only ever saw the full one uh, for yeah, the first time. Just the gang in the fountain. Uh, nothing else there. Um, whereas this one, it's interspersed with different shots from throughout the season. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess we should get on to uh, playing our first clip. What you guys don't understand is, for us, kissing is as important as any part of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Serious? <laughs> oh, yeah. Everything you need to know is in that first kiss. Absolutely. Yeah, I think for us, kissing is pretty much like an opening act, you know? I mean, it's like the stand-up comedian you have to sit through before Pink Floyd comes out. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's not that we don't like the comedian, it's just that that's, that's not why we bought the ticket. <laughs> So, yeah, another, another episode that just jumped straight in. Yeah, sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there, there's probably a lot of truth in, in what they're saying there. Yeah, that, that whole skit just always has been stitched. Yeah. It's, just, it's the way I was like, not where we bought the ticket. <laughs> yeah. Like, we like the comedian. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's true. You've, you've been to gigs where you're like, oh, just two hours of people I didn't want to see but i can't get there late no we'll be able to see <laughs> you can't, can't just turn up for the last act and chandler's pink floyd reference is like yeah. oh it's too much <laughs> uh but yeah it, it definitely shows the different dynamics between like the the six friends or the men and the women yep. um and and they do play on this quite a lot going through the rest of the show yeah guys versus girls it's quite yep. a common theme yep. yeah. uh yeah I, ca- I can't wait to get to that episode uh, with the quiz. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is weird how every episode, and we'll see this going forward for the next few episodes at least, start out this way. Uh, it's an interesting way to, to start a show because it's, it's not, a, oh, here's the setup for the show. It's just a bunch of friends and you've just stumbled into the conversation. Yeah, it's probably quite odd given other shows at the time. But as for friends, it just, like I said, it becomes the norm. And it's just like, oh, cool, we're back with uh, the gang. And, and I think this is why people like Friends and, and feel comfortable with it. Because you, you do feel like you are the, the seventh member. Yeah. Just, just sitting there quietly, but you're, you're part of it. You, you know everything about them and you get to, to be in their lives. Because you, you do hear the mundane as well as the exciting, don't you? Um, 
so yeah, we'll we'll quickly move on to what was meant to be the end of uh, the first episode, but thankfully got moved on to this one. You look great. I uh, I hate that. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. You look good too. Ah well, you know, in here anyone who <laughs> stands erect. <laughs> So what's new? Still, uh... A lesbian? Well... You never know. How's, um... How's the family? Uh, Marty's still totally paranoid. Oh, and not some... Carol, why, why are you here, Carol? I'm pregnant. Pregnant. Ooh, bombshell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm... I, I find Camel an interesting character. Um... It's interesting trying to think of her and Ross being together. Yeah, they never really... Oh, I mean, I guess the first thing is, who is this Carol? Um, just because she's not the Carol we remember seeing. No, no. Um, <laughs> when I watched this episode back, I was like, you're not Carol, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> then we done a bit of a rabbit hole and working out who she was and what was going on. Um, but yeah, Carol as a character, I, I see what you mean. Like, what were you two like as a couple? You, it's difficult to put them together, I guess. So, so before we go on that, you should probably explain why this Carol's different. Yes, so the actress in this episode uh, is called Anita Barone. Uh, she initially auditioned to play one of the main cast, uh, but didn't get that part and was offered the recurring part of Carol instead. Um, she did the episode uh, and then basically left thinking she didn't know how often Carol was going to pop up. They didn't give her any kind of schedule for, you know, you'll be in X amount of episodes a season. So she left to try other things, basically. And that's when they cast the Carol we all, we all remember. And, you know, you, could, you can look back at that as well as other actors who've done similar things. Like that, where they've they've missed out on that that big role. Yeah. Uh, Carol doesn't appear too often in Friends overall. No, she, she appears enough for I think for fans to be like, oh, it's Carol. Like yeah. if you saw the actress in something else, but it's Carol. Yeah. Um, yeah. So often enough for it to matter, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, so she comes in and she doesn't seem like someone I think Ross would marry. She she seems very kind of quiet, as as this character at least. Yeah. I'd... She seems a bit, almost too much, I just get this vibe of fun from her a little bit, like just the right. way she's dressed and the way she carries herself. She seems a little more too exciting for Ross. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like Ross is there in his paleontology department and then she's like, oh, okay, a bit more fun and exciting. Because um, I, I don't see that. I, I think first she's being kind of quiet, reads books alone sort of thing, whereas later Carol is, has a bit more energy to her. Suppose, and how much that would be the awkwardness of I'm about to tell my ex, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am pregnant as well, as well as being a lesbian. Um, so I, I guess now is probably a good time to talk about the the ages of the the characters of Friends. So around this point, I think Ross is meant to be sort of like twenty four, twenty five. Uh, his age changes a few times. Yep. He he stays twenty nine for a couple of years, uh, as to like some of the other characters all, all change. But he's meant to be the the older one out of all the group because obviously Monica's a few years younger yep. um, Rachel the same uh, Chandler is similar in age to us because obviously they went to, to high school together and I think Joey's meant to be a bit younger okay. as well um, but yeah but at like 24 you know having your first divorce uh, it's probably you know quite scary in this day and age back then you know especially American culture you know, marrying your high school sweetheart was like the, the scene thing was yeah, like an adorable it? sweetheart story and yeah yeah and then well i guess especially then less so now divorce was this huge taboo yes. so it was like you know you make the commitment you stick through it um 
I guess unless you realise you're gay. Yeah. <laughs> and you leave. Um, but, yeah, it's a bit intense, I guess. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot going on there at, at a young age. Um, you know, in, in most people's 20s, they're still doing stupid stuff, right? Yeah. You're, you're not there having, having a kid at, like, 22 or whatever. Uh, Some of our cases, still doing stupid things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, and you think about, like, Ross's job. He's got a serious job at, like, 24. Like, you know, he has it through, like, the rest of his uh, time on the show. Um, but, you know, if you're, like, at 24, you're still retail. Yeah, really, and for a lot of people. Especially nowadays. Yeah. Ross definitely hit that career path early and, you know, stuck with it. But, like, you know, Chandler's got a serious job in a, in a proper office. Whatever it is he actually yeah. does. Um, you know, Phoebe, Joey, and Rachel, yeah, they, they are kind of more, I guess, like, this sort of age range. Yeah. You know, of, like, kind of trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. Yeah, Monica's done that, but just wants to get paid for it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, she, she's, like, at a fancy French restaurant as a, as a proper chef, not... Know somewhere down the bottom, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the the different dynamic is already there in terms of like their wages and stuff like that. And again, we come to that in later yeah, episodes. One, yeah. Um, but yeah, t- telling Ross that she's pregnant—that that is quite the bombshell. Yeah, it is. I mean, especially it's like I am pregnant is normally joyous news, even if it's shocking. It could be shocking and ha- shocking and happy. But you know, oh, my ex is pregnant. It's like, whoa, <laughs> it's yeah. like, what, what do you do? Where do you go from there? Well, exactly. Uh, so while we take in that bombshell, we, uh, we move scene. Has anybody seen my engagement ring? Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> oh, God. oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Oh, no, don't, don't touch that. Oh, like I wasn't dreading tomorrow enough having to give it back to him. Hi, Barry. Remember me? I'm the girl in the veil that stomped on your heart in front of your entire family. Oh, God. And now I'm going to have to return the ring without the ring, which makes it so much harder. So, yeah, we already find out Rachel is a bit of a klutz and loses things. Um, It's interesting that she's actually going to just give back the ring. Um, I've always, I kind of find this a bit weird. Like, someone gives you the ring, like, do you give it back? Do you keep it? It's... I mean, I guess for me, it would always be, why did it not work out? Like, if you're given the ring and you leave, I'd say it's respectful to give it back. But at the same time, from a male perspective, if I've given a ring to someone, I wouldn't want to then ever reuse that ring because there's all the sentiment tied up from the initial relationship. So unless it's a family heirloom, at which point it would just stay in the cupboard because I wouldn't ever re-give an engagement ring because all the sentiment from that first relationship is still there, even if it ends. And I'd be like, oh, hello, new partner. Would you like the ring I gave to the person? <laughs> yeah, I... yeah, I've crossed out the name <laughs> in the engraving. <laughs> like, like, I'm only marrying you because this didn't work out. Like, <laughs> Given that ring just seems really... Ugh. But, but also, I guess, the money involved as well, because you know that wouldn't have been a cheap ring because he's meant to be a dentist, uh, Barry. Um, so, you know, he's, he's got money. He's living in New York. So that's not going to be a cheap ring. You know, it didn't even cross my mind. I was purely on the romantic <laughs> Okay, I'm <laughs> on the money side of it. <laughs> the customer's just like, eh, who cares? <laughs> like, the money's gone already, you spent it. We don't really know anything about the ring, though, do we? We don't know if it is a family heirloom, whether it was just one he bought for her. Is it something she picked out? We don't really get yeah. any details of what the ring is, but it's still fairly significant being it was given to her. But because you're right, if it's family heirloom, then yeah, that's much different compared to just buying random ring in a shop. Yeah, like if Barry's got the receipt, you could just take it back. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it would be interesting to find out if he did reuse that ring with Mindy. Mindy, yeah. So yeah, so we're, we're back in the apartment and this is where ugly naked guy gets his first 
appearance as such. A, a, yeah, an appearance <laughs> as much as a guy you never really see can you, have an appearance. You see him once. once do. Quite, quite near the end of the... Well, I guess quite a few series in. Funnily enough, people have actually found out the actor's name. Oh, really? Because he doesn't have his name in the show. Because who wants to be known as the ugly naked guy? Surely that was someone the producers knew. Like, how would you put out a casting call for ugly naked guy? There's got to be, right? Like, people got to work, right? I suppose. I mean, I suppose you'd look at the brief and go, yeah, I've got a belly. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> it, it pays what? <laughs> sure, I'm in. I'll be in Friends. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. I mean, you could probably have said to any actor at any point during the run of Friends, the worst role imaginable. Will you take it? People would have said yes just to be in Friends. Yeah. And, and I guess Ugly Naked Guy kind of plays on uh, what they did in Frasier as well with um, Niles' wife of having a character that you never see and you just imagine. Yeah. Because uh, obviously there's, the, there's a later episode where they, they flash back and they're like, oh, it's hot naked guy. And you're like, I wonder why he became fat. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Like, like he, he must have had some pain in his life. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. You, there's a character everyone knows about, but until later on, you don't, you don't see him. So he's all in your imagination. Yeah, if you put those three words together, my brain immediately goes to when they try to prod him when they're in future episodes and they <laughs> think he's passed away. Yeah. <laughs> just join, tell us yeah. how we chopsticks tape together. Yeah, I, we're going to have a big discussion about that because I want to know the physics because I'm thinking that that window is quite far away. Oh, yeah, it's quite high up. Wind. I mean, it's when we get overly nerdy. I'm like, wow. <laughs> like myth-busting myth friends. <laughs> like you've ever tied anything together that's long enough and it just starts drooping and breaking and... Yeah. It's like Paul in the previous episode, just doesn't stay up. <laughs> uh, so Phoebe talks about missing Carol. She does. So that, that's kind of a bit curious of like, you know, the relationship there, isn't it? It made me really, really curious as to, we don't ever get any kind of idea of how close Carol was to the rest of the group. The only time it's vaguely mentioned is in the first episode when the boys are in Ross's new apartment. And they're like, hang on, so Carol got the TV and this and that. What did you get? And Ross says, oh, you guys? <laughs> so to me, and they're like, you got screwed. It's quite funny. But to me, that implied, I guess, a bit that there's, there was somewhat of a substantial friendship with Carol and the rest of the gang there. Um, naturally, Ross would win because his sister's involved in the friendship. Yeah. Um, but it made me really curious as to how involved was Carol in the rest of their lives. Um, yeah, Because yeah, in my imagination, she's like the girlfriend or wife who would be invited along. So anytime the friends were like, let's go here, do you want to come with? Because like they're in a relationship, right? Yeah. So I don't think she'd be a core member of the group, but she would have been around long enough, especially as, as you know, Ross had been dating her for so long and everything that I guess she'd be friends with them, but not good friends. Yeah. Well, she could have just been close with Phoebe, could have been the one member of the group Potentially, that yeah. Phoebe was like, oh, you know, I really got on with Carol. Yeah. Because Phoebe is always a bit of an odd one out in terms of the cast. And and they do point this out in later episodes, like, why are they friends with her? Because she does not fit with them at all. No, she's so wacky and yeah. bohemian and off the wall. So, so you know, maybe Phoebe and Carol had something there, like, in terms of their friendship and oh, we had and a conspiracy theory <laughs> No, <laughs> no. <laughs> the Carol-Phoebe affair. <laughs> well, maybe. Who knows, right? Who knows? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. And, and obviously, you know, we, we don't know kind of what's gone on behind the scenes. But, yeah, it would have been fun to find out. Yeah. Just, just a little bit more about who Carol is. Well, she doesn't pop up that often, but like we mentioned earlier, she pops up often enough for you to care about who she is. I guess I always would have liked to see more of Carol and maybe a day in the life of Carol and Susan and what did they get up to? Um, I don't know if anyone else would have liked the episode, but it would have been interesting to me to see their dynamic. 
Well, yeah, because, uh, you know, Camel is meant to be seen as like, especially when this first launched, as like, like a positive example of like a gay person on TV. Yeah. Normally it was like, oh, look, there's the camp person over there or there's the, the weird person. Uh, it was always kind of downtrodden, but it's like, no, this normal woman who has normal life happens to be gay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it would have been interesting to see a bit more of that. Yeah, the, the GLAD received the show and that couple positively at the time. They remember saying, like, it's a good example of a gay couple on TV, which is pretty cool, which is it's a weird thing to think about now because, obviously, 2021, gay people are on TV all the time and yeah. people aren't really bad an eye. It's just, well, that's an accepted part of life. Like, that's just the world. Um, but back then, it would have been a huge deal. Well, yeah, because before, it was always, like, uh, a big standout moment saying someone's gay and you'd have to be really over the top about it. Yeah. Whereas now, it's just, oh, no, they... They are gay. And it's like, oh, okay, that's really unimportant right. to anything that's going on here. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> no. It's not relevant. Um, well, it's a weird factor, is that they're one of the earliest lesbian couples on TV, but at no point did they share a romantic kiss. No, and a lot of TV shows were like that at the time because Buffy had that issue. They're like gay couples. And it wasn't until they changed networks they could potentially show anything more than, than being next to each other. Yeah, like, they're special friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, then, Buffy does have the honour of having the first ever lesbian kiss on network television. Okay. Um, it's quite cool. But, yeah. But you'd, you'd think, given that Friends had, what, four or five-year head start, they would have got there first, but... Yeah, because I'd say Friends comes across as a little more adult, because it's, it's based more in realism. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you definitely think that would be there. Um, so obviously, you know, we've got Rachel in the apartment. She's lost the ring. Uh, but this is where we get to meet uh, Monica and Ross's parents. Jack uh, and Judy. So <laughs> let's, let's see what happens with those. I know this is going to sound unbelievably selfish on my part, but were you planning on bringing up the whole baby lesbian thing? Because I, I think it might take some of the heat off me. So we find out that uh, Ross is definitely the favourite very early on. Yeah. Uh, in, in such a way that they seem kind of nasty to Monica, especially, especially uh, Judy. Yeah, it's not even subtle, is it? No. It's just like the sun shines out of Ross and, and uh, why did we have that one? Yeah. <laughs> like, like you, you know, my, my daughter, she's a chef. You should be like happy for her. But, you know, she's eating the food and going, what's this? This is gross. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my friend, my, I've told my friend needs work and I've told her you've got a restaurant. And then Monica corrects the woman and says, I work at a restaurant. Yeah. I don't have a restaurant. And Jude's like, they don't need to know that. <laughs> no. And it's just like, why are you embarrassed by your daughter? Like, it's just a horrible thing to say. Yeah. And obviously they, they go further into this in later episodes of, of Ross being the miracle child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, Monica doesn't deserve this at all no. from her parents. But at the same time, I'm sure, you know, we've all got parents or have friends who've got parents who act like this. Yeah. Particularly to one child or they, they big up one child over the other. Um, for no reason. And it, it can be very detrimental to, to like the development of that child. Yeah, I mean, Monica kind of, you know, I guess, copes well with it. Um, and in that clip, she's obviously trying to draft Ross into be like, please help me out with the very <laughs> here. Um, what I really like about it, though, is Judy's pretty much the, the cause of this. She's just constantly having to go at Monica. Yeah. And what I really liked was... Jack's almost naively adorable and terrible at the same time yes. because he's constantly telling Monica bad things. Like, you had no friends, you used to be fat. And he's saying all these unpositive things to her that are quite negative. But in his mind, he's supporting her and being lovely. He's like, you're fantastic. You don't need friends. No one cared you were fat. We loved you. <laughs> and he's the exact opposite, but just going about it in the worst possible way. And, and it's definitely a mum trait, I think, of like being very judgmental. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess mums almost get the kind of, we have to be the serious parent, and then dads get to be the, oh, we can have fun and have a laugh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
but obviously they, they set the seeds there for Monica being fat, yep. uh, which pays off hugely later in later, <laughs> later shows. But I, I guess, you know, she does throw Ross under the bus. A little bit. I mean, at some point, I, some, you're going to have to tell your parents that you are having a child with your ex-wife, who's now a lesbian. You're going to have to tell them. Why not, you know, help your sister out at the same time? Yeah, I, I, I guess so. But I think she, d- she does go, Ross, you need to tell them now because this is getting too much. There's a lot of great scenes later on where there's the, the kind of family dynamic where Monica, no, Monica and Ross have secrets and they're grassing on each other to their parents, yep. which, which comes <laughs> later on in the series. Um, but yeah, this one, yeah, I guess you are right. She does just kind of go, tell them the news so I can get a free pass. But uh, I know we mentioned uh, off air about the weird dynamic of the room and how there's areas where you can talk, but other people can't hear you when you're talking in that, that space. Yes, like it's six foot of space that Simon apparently doesn't travel from. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's the first example where Monica and Ross go in there to have the little chat about everyone. Tell them the news that they can clearly hear me telling you, but TV magic just pretends, no, they're out of frame, but they're out of earshot. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're in the kitchen. We can talk as loudly as we want, despite <laughs> it being an open plan living room. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like a weird di- dynamic for the, the room there. So Ross, you know, drops big bombshell. Uh, Both uh, of them. <laughs> Especially <laughs> to people of like Jack and Judy's generation. Like someone being a lesbian would have been like, you know, a taboo topic that you wouldn't talk about. So not only is Ross saying the reason me and my partner broke up is she's now gay. It's, oh, she's gay and she's pregnant. It's yep. like double whammy. Yep, exactly. Uh, but then... Judy just deflects it straight back to Monica. It's like, you didn't tell us? You knew? <laughs> you knew about this? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like as if it's your fault. Uh, which is absolutely terrible, really. Uh, and just shows like how much uh, she loves Ross. Yeah, like Ross can Monica. do no wrong. Just, she can't see anything about it. Like, let's deflect any negative from Ross and we'll dump it all on poor Monica. Yeah. Um, what which, I really like about that scene is it, it cuts after that. I, mean, I think it might be an advert break or there's a new scene, but it's this nice little writery trick that I noticed where there's a really horrendous thing that happens. Like, you knew about this, but no one wants to write the rest of that scene. Like, how do you, how do you follow that? So it's like, and cut away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, we'll get the punchline and then just jump away because otherwise it's too awkward to do. Well, I think that is perfect for us to have a bit of a cutaway uh, into an ad break. Hi, I'm Ray, and this is my friend Alex. Hi. And we do a show called No More Whoppers. Do you want pins and stickers? Because we don't have them. Like a broken keyboard, we're out of control. Check it out. You got Wah Wah Wah, Poe and Hojo. How about a No More Whoa? Join us every month or so on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Retrograde Amnesia is a comprehensive podcast about classic Japanese RPGs. Each season, we cover a single game, chapter by chapter, beat by beat. Season one covers Xenogears. Season two covers Chrono Cross. Each episode, we play a section of the game and unpack the story, mechanics, music, and themes. Also, our post-production AI companion, the FakeNet, fills us in on the finer details we may have missed. Initializing FakeNet. Yes. They need me for everything. Find Retrograde Amnesia at greenlitpodcasts.com. And we're back from our adverts. Uh, So... We was last uh, having uh, Ross tell his parents about his new baby that's coming, which should be a time of joy. Yeah. Um, maybe not quite so much. So, you know, we, we have Rachel uh, saying, like, didn't you think you were, like, going to meet someone and fall in love and that would be it? Yeah, after, I think after that scene, they, they're all at Central Park hanging out. Yeah. Uh, Ross excuses himself to go to the bathroom and everyone else leaves. 
just yeah. leaves Rachel to tidy up. Uh, and then Ross pops back from the toilet and he's like, how long was I in there? Yeah. <laughs> he gets a little laugh. Um, and then he offers Rachel some help with like, tidying up. And Rachel seems very different at first in this episode to episode one. It's obviously a bit of a traumatic in- introduction for her. But then when Ross offers her that help, she's instantly back to the kind of like spoiled rich girl. Yeah, she sits down she's straight, down, straight <laughs> away. She's like, thanks, and just stopped working yeah. entirely. Which I really thought was funny and very on point for Rachel. Um, yeah, and then they have this big whole conversation about where their life were going. And you've got, you know, Ross and Rachel together, again, both discussing how unfortunate their love life has been. Um, because in the meantime, Rachel has gone and gave the ring back to Barry, hasn't she? Yes. Uh, so... And and I think this is quite nice for the show because it's a nice quiet moment where there's not a whole lot of laughs because Friends gets picked on a few times for its laugh track, even though it's a live studio audience most of the time laughing at it. And I noticed this a lot with like the Big Bang Theory is like someone would just say a sentence and there was always a laugh. So it mm-hmm. could be saying because mundane as being like, I'm going to the bathroom, laughter, like, oh, I just dropped something, laughter. And it's, like, it's not a funny line. And Friends knows how to play that. So even though there is a laugh track and there's, there's, there's the audience laughing, there is long periods of time where it's just like, no, this is not a funny scene. There might yeah. be hints of funniness in there, but generally it's going to be pay attention now. It's, yeah, it's like, not a bit more serious, yeah. Just, there are parts in the laughter where at the start of this episode, the gang are watching um, Freeze Company, a right. show I've heard of but know nothing about. And they're basically ragging on the show for its tropes or how it's very formulaic and I'm like this is absurd. There's an un- a misunderstanding and blah 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 and there's a, some laughter from the audience and I'm sat there like nope over my head I have yeah. zero <laughs> idea so the laugh track sometimes like, oh, that was meant to be funny but culturally it's completely lost on me yeah I think there's going to be a lot of this from us because we're from the UK and Friends is a very American show there's going to be a f- lot of subtleties that we're going to miss out on just because we don't know the adverts that they're they're playing off of or the scenes or the tv shows um especially tv shows because a lot of it doesn't come over to the uk nope. or then it didn't so anyway, it's, it's not it's a nice quiet scene just ross and rachel you're like is this the moment is and it should have been the moment <laughs> i guess i don't know i mean i'm terrible at dating so i don't know when i would actually ask rachel out <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if it would have been then. <laughs> well, it depends how you ask Grace. It's like, are you my girlfriend now? Yeah. Or, or do you play it cool? Which I guess Ross is trying to be. I guess. I guess I was going to try and play Aragorn sat next to her. Not more. She, he's got his hand on the like, top of the sofa. Yeah. And she leans her head on it. And then he like, awkwardly pulls a chair so he doesn't have to move. But you clearly see that this is where Ross is like, okay, I've actually got real feelings for Rachel still. Um, just on like, his expression and stuff. I guess he doesn't move his hand away because he's like, oh, it's contact. But at the same yeah. time, it's not exactly decent contact. But at, but at the same time, it's, it's still awkward for both of them because Ross is not divorced. He's still going through, understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, I know at this time, like, it, it feels like it's days later, but I think it's actually weeks later. Well, that's one that's always an issue with sitcoms in general and an issue with Friends is that you never know how long it's been no both in terms of how old is this character now how many 30 birthdays will they have and just when did this happen yep because um rachel gives back the ring to barry uh, so we have the funny scene in the dentist's office yep um and it's mentioned there like he goes uh, on the honeymoon he goes all the way to aruba yep uh so clearly he was gone quite a while so between episode one and two is a couple of weeks at least yeah, you'd assume average honeymoon length Probably a fortnight or yeah. two weeks for non-English. Yeah, yeah. Um, there. 
He's got a healthy tan. So, but you know, she she gives the the ring back, and he's not remotely caught up about seeing her. He, she's all you know goes in with her hair up and looks quite demure and you know not glamorous. Well, that, Ross does have this discussion with her of like go there looking attractive but not over the top. Yeah, and don't tell him you got dumped. And yeah, he's got dumped. Um, but obviously, when she gets there, Barry's fine. He's living his best life. Yeah. So when he gets the ring back, he's like, "Oh, thank you for bringing that back to me." Not thank you for bringing this heirloom or expensive ring or whatever. He he doesn't seem bothered, does he? No, he's not hurt to see her. Um, no. And after the initial introduction, and she realizes how fine he is, he disappears, and she fixes her hair, puts her makeup on. Um, he leaves her alone in the room with a child patient, which <laughs> yeah. I was just like, "Ah, malpractice!" <laughs> just like, "What are you doing?" Uh, to me, that kid stole the entire scene. Yes, yeah. It's um, <laughs> just sassy little New York yeah. kid. I've been to New York a couple of times, and pretty on point, to be fair. Oh, definitely. Um, I've definitely seen some kids that had some New York attitude at a very young age. Yeah. Um, but, but then, you know, you have uh, Barry coming back into the room after, after he's left, and that's when he drops his bombshell of going away um, with Mindy. The maid of honour. Yeah. Now, at this point in time, I don't think Rachel realises that Mindy and him had a, a thing going on. She doesn't. It's just they went on honeymoon together and something happened. She doesn't know there was an affair going on. No. So it kind of worked out for her, I guess. I guess it also kind of serves to redeem Rachel a little bit because if you were going to look at it, I guess, the morality scale, in the first episode, she ditches a man at the altar, yeah. which is quite a negative thing to do. Whether or not it's justified or not, but it's not a positive action. And then this episode where he, you know, isn't remotely upset that his fiance abandoned him. He ran off on holiday the same week with her best friend. He's like, you mean like, okay, Barry's the, you know, the not very nice person and Rachel's fine. It kind of just takes the blame away from her a bit. Yes. Almost like two wrongs don't make a right, but they do redeem Rachel a little bit. Yeah. And obviously we learn this in later series, like what actually happened. All the, all the nitty gritty details. Yeah. At, at the same time, if you booked tickets to Aruba and you had a spare ticket... Wouldn't you offer it to a friend of yours to come with you? Probably not my ex fiance's no, best mate. No. Um, I don't know if I'd go. I might just give the tickets away. I think if I got ditched at the altar and had flight book, I don't think I'd go on my honeymoon because you might have the honeymoon suite and there'd be all the honeymoon. Yes, yeah. there'd be a lot of constant reminders that you're not married. <laughs> no, but but at the same time, like he had different things in mind, so didn't really matter to him right yeah when you know where barry's head state is it would be you know very different and 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 obviously flying then was different too like you could change the names on tickets quickly and you know it's all before 9 11 so you could you could just rock up the airport and just go sort of thing it didn't have to be massively pre-planned before so he could he could just be like yeah uh do you want to go with me instead yeah, random cool. bit of a tangent so the first time i went to new york the home of friends my ex booked the tickets and was so excited that she accidentally booked my ticket as mrs ryan <laughs> <laughs> so before i flew i think it was something like a 60 pound fee to get me changed to mr <laughs> ryan perro it was just for the reminder of, yeah first time i went to a friend's lift, i was mrs ryan <laughs> well I, I don't know if that'd be that awkward nowadays you could easily get away with that but yeah, well, yeah, what, five years ago, I think it was, but yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just quite funny. Just reminded me, I'm like, yeah, changing that name. Uh, so let's move, let's move on from that and uh, get through to uh, Susan's uh, first introduction. Ross, you remember Susan. How could I forget? Ross. <laughs> Hello, Susan. Good shake, good shake. <laughs> so uh, we're just waiting for... Dr. Oberman. Dr. Oberman. Okay, and is he... She. she? Of course, she. Of course. <laughs> so, yeah, first time we get to meet uh, Susan. I don't like Susan. 
as a lot of people don't. And I think it's just the, the way they, they play the character. They, they play her quite mean-spirited towards Ross, especially quite early on. You know, he's, he's just found out his wife has been cheating on him. He's now leaving him. She's pregnant. And the other woman is now coming in and, you know, trying to take control of what would be, I guess, his part. Yeah. I guess, I mean, what I, what's interesting to me about that dynamic is how, I guess, pleasant Ross is about the whole thing. Like, you would assume if anyone was going to be the kind of aggressive person in that relationship, it would be Ross. Yes. Because he's the, essentially the wronged party. Um, but then you've got Susan, who, like you said, he's very defensive and aggressive towards Ross. But when, especially if you look at it in context, yes, she's now with Susan and had an affair with Susan. But Ross is still the high school sweetheart who she married, who is having his child. And no matter how much, I guess, Susan as a person knows, right, I'm Carol's future, you can't take that away. She's never going to be able to be Ben's mother, like, genetically. No. So I guess there's a lot of, you know, like, insecurity there about it. So it kind of makes sense to me. I gave her a bit of a free pass. And, and is this the first time Ross has met Susan? Because they have the handshake. They do with the, the very odd... Odd, good shake joke, yeah. which which hits really weird to me. I don't remember if it hit weird back in the day, uh, but watching rewatching the episode, it seemed a bit like it was going for the ah oh, lesbians are butch stereotype, which fair enough. But then look at Susan; she's gonna you know, got her hair down. She's quite glammy and pretty, glamorous and pretty. She's quite petite. She's got a floral summery dress on. Like it doesn't fit the scene or the, no. the actor to me at all. So it seemed a bit like a oh, bit of a miss there. But, but I'm not sure if that's the first time they ever meet. I don't think it is. I feel like he's probably... I think he's met her a few times when they were friends. Because yeah. uh, she's like, you remember Susan, and he's like, how could I forget? And clearly... yeah, so he's probably had a casual passing with her rather than any deep interaction. Yeah, I don't think they ever went to dinner, but you know, as, as she came to pick Carol up for yeah. yoga or whatever it was they're doing, it would have been like, this is Carol. No. The lesbian's confused. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know... I think the funny stuff that happens in this, though, is more visual, which doesn't really work for a podcast, but it's Ross playing with the stuff. <laughs> it is. I was really impressed with myself during this bit, because obviously, we don't go to gynecologists. We're men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not something you really want, you know, if you think, oh, obviously, I'll go with my partner. Um, but Ross starts playing with one of the tools, yeah. which people just refer to as the duck. He makes a quacking yeah. sound with it. For some reason, I knew that was called a speculum. I don't know why I knew it, but I was like, put the speculum down, Russ. And in my head, I was like, why do I know this? Like, at what point in my life have I ever had a conversation where I needed to know the name of that tool? Yeah. But somehow I didn't. Yeah. But he does play with the speculum. Uh, but it's funny that he doesn't know what it's for. No, yeah, just, Especially as he's a doctor. Yeah, given that Russ is Russ. He's, it's not Joey. If Joey had no idea, yeah. he'd be like, fair. But Russ, like, and then he just clumsily drops it when yeah. he finds out, as if he's never been near her cervix. No, no, like, no. We know you have Russ, it's why you're in yeah. the room. And that's going to be sterile equipment as well. So yeah. uh, I think it's more funny the, the, the toys like of um, the baby and stuff like that he plays with, and he's trying to yeah. fit it back in like it's a puzzle piece. <laughs> he always chucks it across <laughs> yeah. the room at one point. Uh, I feel like as men though we would probably be the same with like oh what's this thing oh I've slightly broken it or taken it apart how do I fix it yeah you can't really put men in a room with stuff they don't recognise <laughs> no. and expect us not to play with it we're basically children it's like what does that do I'll press the button <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know we've got the the naming of the the child so let's have a, a listen to that oh please what's wrong with Helen Helen Geller <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Hello? It's not going to be Helen Geller. Thank you. No, I mean, it's not Geller. What? what it's going to be Helen Willick? 
No, actually, um, we talked about Helen Willick Bunch. But... Well, wait a minute. What... Why is she in the title? Because it's my baby, too. But, really, um, I don't remember you making any sperm. <laughs> so, it's interesting that they start the name Helen. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm assuming at this point they, they don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Yeah. Um, they've just assumed. It's going to be a girl. Here's some names. Um, they throw some other names out there, uh, like Minnie. Yeah, which Ross is immediately against. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then she's like, but that's my, my grandmother's name. Which is kind of fun that there's lots of names out there where you're like, no, that's definitely like a grandparent name. Yeah, you can't take that like Bertha or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah. not a modern name. No, no, you can't use that for a young child. But yeah, naming is like, is really difficult, especially, you know, as they're, they're no longer married. So I assume um, Carol is going to revert back to her uh, previous surname if she's not talking about having Geller in there. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, it's really weird to me that she's putting Susan's name in there. Like, this is a woman that, yes, you've been having an affair with, but how long have you actually been together? Obviously, at the time, they wouldn't have been able to get married. No. Um, but, you know, even if they said, oh, we're getting married, and you'd be like, well, this is kind of a bit quick. Like, you're, you're going to have to have a divorce first and marry someone after that you've been having an affair with. Yeah, I don't think if I was in this situation, I'd have an objection to... Susan's name being there, but my name not being would be like non-negotiable. Like my name is just my child. Yeah, we were married. My name's going there. Like end of. Yeah, I, I I think, and then obviously you get into the situation of you can't have three names for a child. If even a double barrel surname is quite long. Yeah, and what Susan picks up on this because he wants to call it like Gello Willick. But <laughs> yeah. she's like, no, no, I know what you're doing. <laughs> no one will say the whole thing. They just say Gello. <laughs> yeah, and Russ is like, well, it's my kid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think the, the best solution would just be, it's just Willick. No, see, I wouldn't have that, but nope. Oh, my name in there, it's my kid. See, I, I think it is, it's, if, it's, if you can't have your name, you'd, ha- you'd have to just be like the, the mother's name, basically. But yeah, it's, it's, it is a tough thing. It's a tough subject, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, later on, they end up with the name Ben. Uh, <laughs> Do we even find out what his entire name is at any point? I'm sure we'll find okay. out in a future yeah. episode, ben, won't we? Ben surnames. Um, well, what's funny is that whole drama is obviously difficult for us. The whole situation is difficult for us. And the naming situation is almost like the you know, straw that breaks the camel's back where he threatens to leave. Yep. Um, but at that point, the doctors came in, they've started the sonogram. And then that's when Rush runs back into the room. And you know, all three of them have this wondrous, amazing moment where they stare at the display. Yeah, as they listen to the heartbeat and yeah. stuff like that. Like, it's like, ooh, magical, like, child <laughs> moment. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very TV magic moment, isn't it? Because uh, the way they react to it all. I mean, I don't have any children, so I have no idea how, <laughs> no. how entertaining that moment is. It's, it's very much TV moment. TV magic. Her. So we, we leave the scene with them fairly happy. Yeah, it, it seems somewhat harmonious uh, <laughs> yeah. at the end, at least. So let's listen to our final clip. Oh, and, and men, you know, if, if, if everything works out and, and you guys end up getting married and having kids and everything, I just hope they have his old hairline and your old nose. <laughs> okay, I know it's a cheap shot, but I feel so much better now. So, yeah, Rachel uh, calls up Mindy because uh, she's come back from seeing Barry. And he hasn't reacted the way she's wanted him to, which is understandable. Yeah, or expected him to, I guess. Yeah. Be. So, you know, that, that's her talking to Mindy and we find out, oh, she's got a bit of a grudge against Mindy now. But she, she still doesn't know what's gone on. 
if she, all she knows is that they went to Aruba together and are now dating. She doesn't yeah. know about the affair yet. I mean, it's kind of, I like it. It's funny. It made, me, it made me laugh. It's a very petty comment. Yeah. It's interesting because you, all you know at this point is that Mindy is, or was, Rachel's maid of honor. But that implies that there's some kind of close friendship there. So even though you've got Rachel ditching Barry at the altar, it's still a bit of a like friendship foul to start seeing your friend's ex. Yep. Um, I don't know how that is in like other cultures around the world, but definitely in Western culture, it's very much a, whoa, like don't go there. No. So to then go on your honeymoon, I can understand why Rachel's upset. You know, you'd be throwing some shade. Oh, definitely, definitely. Like if he took his best friend with him, fine. But to take, you know, your friend... Your maid of honor, <laughs> ex's friend, yeah, and then date them. He's just like, whoa! Like, I, I mean, if I was Rachel, my first thought would have been, "Is this new? Did this happen? Did you, you know, did this spark happen while you were away?" I'd be immediately proud not to have an affair, to be honest. Oh yeah, definitely. You, you'd be like, "Well, hang on, you didn't just go on holiday together. Something's happened." Yeah, like why were you the choice you made? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very interesting episode. Uh, we go into a lot more depth with the characters. Yep. Um, I find it most interesting how early a lot of this stuff actually happens so meeting uh jack and judy you know there, there's loads of stuff where you'd be like oh that that should be like down the road sort of stuff but no it's it's all crammed right at the front uh obviously you've got like the pregnancy ross's failed marriage rachel's failed marriage the new girlfriend for ross's ex yep she's always an uncomfortable meeting if anything you know chandler and joey and maybe a bit of monica kind of get pushed to the sidelines a bit yeah, at least Monica has some moments with her mum and the, the family dynamic. Yeah. But yeah, Joey and Chandler, other than the very end when they're watching the sonogram tape that Russ puts on yeah. and they make a joke about it attacking the Enterprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just they can't see it. And obviously they're like, yes, relating to Joey and Chandler right now because I can never see. You basically have to draw an outline around these things. Yeah, whenever I've seen other people's ones, I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at. It looks like TV static. It's like, did the doctor explain to me where it is? No, then I have no idea. And and then like, it's definitely a boy. And I'm like, how can you tell? What? Okay. Just no idea what's on the screen. (laughs) Just be like, what you need to tell me? Having a baby. Yeah. It's somewhere on that screen. Cool. So yeah, you you do get a lot of stuff chucked in there, like compared to other sitcoms, which would be kind of more relaxed and just more jokey. This one goes quite deep into, into relationships. Yeah, I think that's part of its success, though. Like because yeah. the relationships are so fundamental to the series and the characters, it helps you relate to them, identify with them, and get to care about them a lot faster than you would ordinarily. Well, yeah, because every every person relates to a character differently. So either they are like a Joey and they're a, a ladies' man, uh, or they're a Chandler, or they're a Monica, or a Rachel, or whatever. So when you're watching, you're like, yes, I've had this experience. And, you know, it might be like you've not had a, a Ross or Rachel experience of, you know, your marriage collapsing or whatever. Uh, but you might have had one of the other characters' relationships. Like Monica, you might be like, yes, my mum acts like Monica's mum sort of thing. So that's, there's always a character in there that will relate to you somehow. Well, that's what's quite fun watching it again as an adult that's much older and had more life experience <laughs> in the first time. So the first time jokes hit a certain way or you relate to certain characters um, I have certain opinions when I was watching the show originally and then going back to it without too much oversharing. I've been in a very similar situation to Ross. Um, so watching it back now after that's happened, I'm like, oh yeah, this I'm totally more aligned with Ross now than I've ever been before. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Before you would be like, I'm laughing at situations and characters and then you do watch it 10 years later and you're like, oh, actually I've been through an experience that they've done 
I don't find that as funny now. Now I understand why Ross wasn't laughing yeah. or this character wasn't laughing or whatever. Like Ross is and Susan's animity towards each other, not animity, like aggression towards each yeah. other, um, makes a lot more sense to me now than it did back then. I was like, well, they've just broken up. Who cares? And now I'm like, oh, no, yeah, I'm going to go with it. Yeah, because I guess if you watch this at like age 10 or like 15 or even like before your early 20s, you probably don't get the dynamics of relationships and you're just like, oh, no, they just broke up. Yeah, they're boyfriend, girlfriend. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you guess. Yeah, you don't realise actually like Barry and, and Rachel is actually quite devastated on many different fronts. Just from, from like, oh, we used to hang out every single day to now we don't instantly. Yeah, by the time you get to our age, where you know, kind of early to mid-30s, You've everyone listening who's of that age has probably had not that it's exclusive to older people, but you've probably had that breakup. Like everyone, when I said the phrase that breakup, everyone, oh, okay, that person, they all know to themselves who exactly that person is. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I guess for Ross and Rachel, they have both lost their first loves in a sense. Yeah. Maybe less so for Rachel because she, she, she admits like, you know, this is what I do. I don't want to work. I don't know how to work. I marry someone for money. But there's got to be some attraction there. Yeah, I guess you just... Well, I suppose well, she left because she realised that it wasn't the right place and she didn't <laughs> want to get married. But at the same time, how did she end up there? There no. must have been something keeping her there to begin with. She, she finds the, the gravy boat more, more exciting <laughs> than Barry. And, and you know, they, they picked uh, the actor for Barry very well because you look at him and you're like, yes, he's not an exciting person to be with. No. You, what's funny is the level of Rachel's glamour changes over the seasons and you get to like midway through where there's the haircut yeah um and jennifer Aniston becomes like a global superstar but she's not as glamorous in the early seasons so when you put her and barry next to each other you're like i don't really see it but maybe she she comes across a bit young compared to him doesn't she yeah so i guess if barry's successful and has all the things that i guess society told rachel would make a good husband at the time maybe that's where she was going there yeah but once rachel becomes rachel you look at Barry and go, never in a million years. No, 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 never. <laughs> Not believing it for a second. But, but I guess like, that's an interesting point to talk about is their, their celebrity status at the time of the actors. So Monica was, was the most well-known at the time. Had she been in Scream yet? I feel like that was around 94. Yeah. Uh, but she'd obviously been in a few other things. Ross had been in a couple of TV shows, nothing that big. Uh, Rachel was on, or Jennifer Anderson was on TV. And then the two Matthews, I don't think I'd done anything. Uh, same with Lisa as well, really. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting how the dynamic changed. Like, Monica would be the, the actor you knew, potentially. It, it changed to, no, Jennifer Aniston Jennifer, is, is, is yeah. the actor you now know. Fair. It, it's crazy, because I guess most of that as well would have been you bound to the United States, whereas in the UK you wouldn't have known who any of them were. No. They would just would have been fresh-faced new people. Yeah. Um, again, probably helped the success of the show. I, I think that's more interesting when you do have a TV show and it's, or even a film, and it's these brand new people you've never heard of before, and you're like, actually, they're really good actors and they're perfect for this part. I guess it does uh, pigeonhole them, as the, the Friends cast have probably found, like, you know, they haven't, a lot of them haven't really moved on to too much more. No. In the same, in, in at least in the same league as Friends. Like, Lisa Kudrow has done a lot of cool shows, but... Could people name them? Yeah. Jennifer Aston's been in a fair few movies, but nothing that really blew you away. No. Adam Sandler nonsense. Did you know? And, and you know, uh, they've all done their own little bits and pieces here and there, but nothing on the level of Friends. They're not even close. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's a fantastic and interesting episode. I certainly think it's better than the pilot, uh, just because you have that like extra layer of depth now. 
and it's starting to expand out. It starts to smooth off the edges a bit. Yeah. So, like I said in the previous episode, Joey comes off really abrasive and unlikable in the first episode to me. But in this one, he's a bit more of like the cuddly ladies' man that we get to know. <laughs> yeah. He's a bit more like, he starts eating the lasagna after they've rooted for it for the ring. And he's just like, it's ruined. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. just like it's classic Joey. Well, yeah. And, and going back to it now, you can go to this episode and be like, oh, look, something that's like a trope later on is actually there from the very beginning, but it doesn't stand out that way. Yeah, like Monica fussing over the cushions before her parents yeah. come round. Initially plays as, oh, her parents are judgmental, so that's what's happening. And then we all know, no, Monica's a kook. Like, she's the closest <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, we did kind of a bit of foreshadowing. It's quite cool. It's cool to see. Uh, well, I think we've come to the end of our episode here. Uh, we should probably talk about our social medias and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter and Facebook under uh, Watch Friends Pod. So come and join us there, interact with us, say hello, send us your friends memes. Uh, tell us your friends' stories. God, I love some memes. Why not? Uh, I think at some point we would like to discuss like some of the memes and, and things that we've we've seen online from the friends fandom out there. Yeah. So you know, do get in contact with us. Uh, you can check out the website at uh, watchingfriends.com where you'll see the latest episodes and maybe some other things on there. I like that little bit of mystery. It's like, oh, what will you see? You'll have to go check it out and find out. Yeah, so at the moment, there is nothing there. <laughs> but by the time this podcast goes up, uh, hopefully there'll be something. Um, but yeah, on to episode three, I guess. Um, I'm looking forward to working our way through these early seasons because they're, I feel like they're the most interesting uh, to discuss just because everything is kind of new and different and they don't settle into yeah, familiarity. The, the writers are still trying things and getting the, all the pieces in the right places. Whereas by the time you get to like season 10, everything's set. It's still funny, yeah. but there's not much development, I guess. Yeah, there, there is a different dynamic in terms of the shows. Like Shows now are, are funny early on, but they're kind of like very dry, subtle humour compared to the later ones where it's like obvious, laugh-out-loud humour. Yeah, there's a lot more situational comedy. Um, I know it's a sitcom. In the later series, it's kind of more practical, I guess. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the humour in the early seasons comes from the character's teasing each other yeah. or specific things they say it all comes from the characters yeah they, they are just being friends yeah so I think we'll leave it there so do come back and check us out uh, next week so until next time see you later goodbye <laughs>